Welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Jody Henke. Soybean producers despise volunteer corn sprouting up among their bean plants. Well, this season, they might be feeling some despair if last year's corn crop literally fell victim to high wind events. Joining me on this podcast is Dean Grossnickel, an agronomic services representative with Syngenta, to talk about what to do about a bumper crop of corn that shouldn't be there. How does this happen? How does volunteer corn happen? Well, I mean, obviously in, in Iowa, we are in a corn and soybean rotation and volunteer corn happens. Um, used to be because of a lot of times as corn is growing and we get some stock integrity issues and then that corn decides to lay over and then our combine or picker can't get that corn up off the ground. And hence we have, you know, corn that is left over from that year and then you know, as we rotate into the next crop, a soybean crop, that corn will want to grow. And that's one of the causes of, of volunteer corn. But, uh, you know, stock integrity leads to volunteer corn. Pests, a big pest that we don't deal with much anymore was a European corn bore. And that would bore into the shank. And, and then the shank of that ear, it would cause that ear to fall off the corn. We don't deal with European corn bore much anymore. And so, so that pest has kind of gone away. We have these wind events like the derecho that we had this last year. And uh, especially as that corn plant gets big and tall, and then that ear is placed high on that plant, it acts as a lever. And then when that wind pushes that corn over, it will fall to the ground. So those are a couple of different reasons why we have volunteer corn. It can be from, you know, just stock integrity issues, pest issues, or even just plant height issues and um, being a lever due to the wind. So those are some of the reasons or causes of volunteer corn in our fields. And we just can't get it harvested off the ground with our combines and that sort of thing. I tell you, when I was a teenager, I walked bean fields with a corn knife. Oh, I hated that. Man, I'd get bit, I'd get wet. You know, it was just because you go out early in the morning because it's hot, you know. That's right. That's right. Oh. Yeah, Someone said, yep. you want to do corn detasseling? No, I've walked beans. That's good enough. <laughs> that was, I, 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 that was one of those things when, uh, when uh, I was growing up, my, you know, all my friends were, were detasseling and that's first, do you want to detassel? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I don't like getting wet. I don't like walking wet cornfields. I don't like walking wet bean fields. Why yes. would I want to detassel? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So talk about um, this year in particular with the derecho. What should producers expect to see and be aware of and watch out for? Particularly this year with the derecho, a lot of times when, we, when we're combining our fields or we have down corn, unless that corn's absolutely flat to the ground, we pick up a majority of that. But with the derecho this year, there's a lot of fields that were just totally abandoned right? We didn't even try to uh, harvest that corn. And so in some instances, you have corn fields that were going to have anywhere from 180 to 200 bushels of corn. We didn't even attempt to combine them. And all that corn is viable unless it got germinated from the time they disked it, had a little bit of time for it to germinate there before we got into a, you know the frost. That frost would have killed those plants that germinated. But then the rest of that is available and going to be able to grow. We didn't even attempt to try and harvest it. So the sheer volume of corn that is the potential to be volunteer corn this next year is leaps and bounds higher than what we're typically used to dealing with. And so that's going to cause problems in that sometimes when a corn combine goes through, 
you know, you have some grain loss out the back end. Those are individual plants. You may have one ear that falls off. That's going to be a clump. But again, here we dissed all this under. We got all these ears that are out there. There's going to be all these clumps of volunteer corn that are going to come up. And if kernels didn't get knocked off that ear, they're going to germinate at different times. So one thing that we may think that's going to happen is that it's just all going to come up evenly. Well, that's not going to be the case. You know, some of that volunteer corn is going to come up early. Some of that volunteer corn is going to come up late. We're not going to have any gauge on how much of that's going to germinate and when. And so that's going to be more problematic this year than what we've dealt with in the past. It's because of the sheer volume that we're going to be dealing with this year versus other years that makes it unique. So what do we do when the planting season starts and before any of these little corn leaves even start peaking above the ground, what can soybean producers do? Yeah. So specifically, one of the things, if I knew I had a derecho field that I'm particularly worried about, I'm going to try and get in there. If I can do a tillage pass, do a tillage pass early, see if I can't get some of that stuff to germinate in that first flush and then hit it with another tillage pass. And so that way I'm using some mechanical control. I'm not relying on a herbicide here to help deal with one flush of this volunteer corn. Then I'm going to try and use products. If I'm in a no-till situation, I might let some of that corn, volunteer corn get germinated, throw in a volunteer uh, corn control product in my burn down. We got to remember a lot of this volunteer corn is Roundup Ready or Liberty Linked. It's got some sort of trade associated with it. So then we're going to have to use some other sort of volunteer corn product to help get control. Uh, and that might be like a Fusilade or some product like that to help get volunteer corn control early on. Then when we start going into the into the year, it might be one application or two applications of a volunteer corn product with a herbicide like Fusilade to get control of that volunteer corn. We're just going to have to roll with what we're seeing out there and be able to hit this on a timely manner. I think the biggest thing that we got to worry about is we can't let this volunteer corn compete with our crop. University of Nebraska did a study several years ago, and they found that volunteer corn density of about 3,500 plants per acre can result in a 10% yield loss. You know, 3,500 is, is a lot to think about, but think about a 10 by 10 square, that's eight plants in a 10 by 10 square. Yeah. So that's just eight plants. Now we talk, how many kernels are on one of those ears? That's... <laughs> That's a lot of corn. That's a lot of corn. That's a lot of kernels. And, and if we start thinking about that, that average farmer was planting probably about 30,000, 34,000 plants per acre. Now he has an ear on each one of those that got dissed under. We got a lot of potential plants that are out there. And again, if that can cause a 10% yield reduction on that, we double that, that's going to be closer to almost a 27% yield reduction. If we got 16 plants in that 10 by 10 square. We can clean up a lot of this volunteer corn with these herbicides post-emergence. And it looks like we did a great job at the end of the year. But if we allow those plants to compete with our soybeans all the way up till we eliminate them, we're losing yield. So it's imperative that we start clean like I was talking about earlier and then let our soybeans get up and out with, you know, without that competition and then try and clean up these other germination events as we go forward. It's going to really be imperative that we do that. We let those plants compete with those soybeans. Those soybeans are physically weaker in stature. They never do recover once you take out that volunteer corn. 
they just always remain weaker plants and the density and the height of the soybeans. We want that nice like pickup fence of beans, all nice, even emergence, all nice, even field. If we can have that, that's the best ideal for us. But uh, if we have a lot of volunteer corn competing with us, we just can't get that. So why is it not good to have corn growing in a bean field and then producing extra corn when it comes to harvest time? What's the problem there? Well, I mean, especially at harvest time, if you're a soybean producer and you got corn kernels in your soybean field, man, I'd have to remember this. It's been a long time since I grain graded, but (laughs) I believe it's about 1% foreign material that are allowed in the soybean sample, right? Before you start getting docked, but you'd have to double check me on that. But if we start having a lot of volunteer corn, that's going to create foreign material. That foreign material is then going to cause us to get docked when we take that grain to the elevator. Additionally, I think it's not necessarily about this year and the grain sample as well, but we think we have that volunteer corn out there. It's also a host for corn rootworms. And so if we have a lot of volunteer corn, it's almost like you got corn on corn field out there. Mm-hmm. Those corn rootworms are going to be attracted to that volunteer corn. They have a host there that they can complete their life cycle. And then when you rotate to corn the following year, you already have, it's going to be like you're planting corn on corn again, because we never took care of the volunteer corn. That corn rootworm had a host. That was the volunteer corn in our soybean field. We didn't take care of it. When we rotate back to corn, we're going to have issues with corn rootworm that we weren't probably planning on because we didn't take care of that volunteer corn in our soybean fields. What if you do plant corn on corn? Is it a big yeah. deal then? Uh, yes, it's going to be a huge deal. The, I mean, because on the corn on corn acre, and, and I know I'll get questions about this this year because somebody will forget and they'll plant corn on corn. Or uh, I just had 10 acres, you know, I wanted to keep my rotation. They go over there. If you had conventional corn and we're going to a GT or, or a GMO corn, that's not a big deal because a lot of the GT or the glyphosate Liberty link will help clean up that volunteer corn. But a majority of our corn out there is a GMO type plant. It's resistant to glyphosate. It's resistant to Liberty. It's resistant to all these other type products. So there's really nothing that we can spray on those fields to help take out that volunteer corn. And when that volunteer corn comes up with our corn crop, it's going to act as a weed. It's going to cause that kernel that we really want to grow to be smaller. It's going to take nutrients and sunlight and that sort of stuff away from that and cause the corn that we want to be less productive. It's very, very complicated to take out volunteer corn in this GMO world because we just don't have the tools to do that. There is one tool out there. It's um, the Enlist corn. There's not a whole lot of that planted. It is resistant to some of your FOP type herbicides. It'll be like Fusillade or Assure or that sort of stuff. That would be a possibility. And I would see some growers utilizing that tool this year if they wanted to go corn on corn. That would give them an ability to take out the volunteer corn. But there's very little of that out there. And it takes a little bit of management if that's the tact you're going to go to make sure that you uh, have a clean field. Because volunteer corn in a GMO setting is just very, very difficult to deal with cultivation or something to try to take it out of the middle of the row. You got in the row, that's going to be problematic. And if nothing else, send out a teenager armed with a corn knife. <laughs> that's right. Walk they through don't the too fast. And there's a lot of, you know, when, when it's small, oh, that's a long way to bend over to try and take that out. So they let it get big. And so by that time it's done a lot of its damage. 
any other tips you want to pass along or no, I mean, I think out there, there's some, um, thoughts about using some of these pre-herbicides to kind of get volunteer corn control. And when I say pre-herbicides in that soybean acre, I'm talking about like a Treflan or a ALS products like Scepter, maybe a Pendimethalin, which would be a Prowl, a Prefix, which would be a Dual and, and Femesophen. A lot of times on those labels, they say that they provide some sort of suppression of volunteer corn. And I just don't think that those do enough what they'll end up doing is they'll end up injuring that root system and maybe cause that corn plant to grow a little slower. They really don't take out that volunteer corn plant per se, like a tillage pass would do. If I had a $5 to spend, $5 to spend on a pre-herbicide that has suppression of volunteer corn or run my field cultivator, be much more money ahead running my field cultivator. <laughs> taking that volunteer corn out (laughs) because I think you're you're just not going to get the suppression that you want and you're still going to have to come in with these other products later on so if it's a choice between the two there's not too many weeds that get past iron so that's the way to go I think for farmers thanks Dean Grossnickel with Syngenta for being my guest and thank you for listening for successful farming I'm Jody Henke